the numbers they give me, like the bookmakers, is insane. They give me a one in three chance of winning the event, like completely nuts. That's pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, but Good that's luck. insane. Like, That's that's good. no, I mean, if someone's betting on me at one in three to win the event, they're like they obviously don't enjoy their money too much. <laughs> All right, we're rolling. C squared, not after dark. C squared on vacation or C squared at tournament. I'm not really sure how to call this one. Anyway, what's up, Fabi? Where are you at? And uh, what's been going on for the last few days? Yeah, you might be on vacation. I'm uh, I'm in the Isle of Man. I don't know if it's a vacation. It's um yeah, I, I traveled here yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And I they lost my luggage. I was going to say I lost my luggage, but I don't know what's wrong with air, airlines now. I mean, they just can't get anything right. Every trip there's an issue. Every single trip I go on now. Yeah. There's some sort of issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Where, the, where my were first you coming flight from? Because I you actually from went Spain. from St. Louis to Spain, right? For a few days. Yeah. And that flight was delayed 12 hours. Normally, you have a delay that long, you just expect the flight to be canceled. But but there was no other flight going. I went Chicago, Madrid. And I was checking, is there any other flight? Like, I'll cancel my flight, and, and maybe I'll book a new one. Uh, but there was nothing the next day. Like, literally nothing. Yeah. Never seen that before. Chicago, Madrid, no flights, nothing at all. Uh, so I was stuck on that flight, 12 hours delay. It gets in two hours delay for luggage. I mean, it was like crazy. And uh, then they lost my luggage on the way here. I got it. I went to the airport to get it because I, they, they gave me like an online form to fill out because nobody works at the airport here. Like I, they, they don't have people, Mm. At Isle so of they Man, they yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. they give yes. you a QR code. Okay, I fill out all of my information. It asks for two addresses. First, it asks for my home address. Then it asks for my uh, delivery address. So I fill both those out. My home address is in the U.S. My delivery address is at the hotel here. After that, after I fill it out, okay, uh, I I check like a few hours later to see more or less the status, and I see that they're delivering it to my home address, they No, say. no freaking way. So I go to the airport. I'm tracking the flight uh, that it's, it's supposed to arrive on the next flight, right? So I'm tracking the flight. Flight lands right before the opening ceremony. I take a, a cab to the airport because I'm like, okay, I can't get I can't get stuck here with nothing. I mean, no clothes, right? I they even have a dress code here. I have to wear something, Well, we something were actually presentable. discussing about this and you said that you got the green light to go to the opening ceremony because you're the top seed. You probably have to pick up the color and you got the green light to, to wear sweats. Yeah, luckily I made it in time with my because I did go there. My luggage was actually sitting there. And I spoke to the woman there, and she said it's it was deliver it was uh, scheduled for delivery to the hotel. So what they had on the app was wrong because they said it was scheduled for delivery to the United States. Probably someone realized that this doesn't make any sense. Like we're obviously going to deliver it to the place that's like twenty minutes away, not to the place that's uh, that's thousands of miles away. So uh, so it was going to probably get here anyway. But uh, okay, just better to be safe, right? So I went there, I picked it up, and a lot of people lost their luggage. Like uh, Maxime, he, his, I think, got delivered, but he lost it. David Howell, he, he already tweeted about this. Um, uh, Fitugov, like a, uh, about half my flight lost their 
or not lost. It got delayed, right? It got sent over on the next flight. Well, anyway, it's kind it's of not, lost, not a big right? deal. It's, it's kind of lost. Like somebody put it on the wrong flight or somebody just forgot to like put it on the flight that they were supposed to put it on. Uh, this yeah, lo losing luggage, happened. it just makes no sense to me. I have this theory that since COVID, basically everything uh, flight-wise um, just uh, got completely destroyed. Uh, it, it's, it's so much more difficult and so much more unpleasant to travel nowadays um yeah and the prices have noticeable. gone higher for whatever reason the prices have gone higher i don't think there's less flights in general even though now that you're telling me that there were absolutely no flights from chicago uh to uh, to madrid it, it does make a lot of sense but it kind of does at the same time if you know you're fighting a lot of a lot of uh, factors i guess inflation I, I don't feel like people have the same amount of money to spend on tickets so they made the tickets higher but less flights so basically only whoever can afford can fly but you don't have the same um frequency i guess I'm, that's I'm my not theory sure there are less flights but definitely the prices are noticeably higher not oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean uh, around the across the board it's not just flights food yeah. gas everything rent uh very noticeably higher yeah. that rent has increased uh, real estate prices. I don't know if this is. I, I I like check real estate prices in the U.S. at least quite closely. Uh, like very noticeably higher than years ago. Food food is just like very evident. You go to the grocery store. Um, I mean, you can't help but notice it, right? And especially if you like me, you go away for a few months from the U.S. and then you come back because then you you actually you don't see like a slow creep up, but you actually get hit with the <laughs> uh, like something suddenly costs. 20% more oh, just like prices in the US yeah. are absolutely ridiculous like even prices in the US compared to Europe for whatever reason they're they're absolutely ridiculous and then as you mentioned like you stay in Europe for like a couple of months and then you come back to the US prices are up on a variety of products like 20% but anyway okay inflation that's uh, but you know I, I think they product. do this they do this trick too where they raise prices quite significantly and then you get used to that and then they lower them a little bit so they're not at the original price but now you think that you're getting a deal oh yeah and uh, like the, there's definitely a lot of tricks i don't know what the like let's say the the average salary the person who's earning an average salary if they're struggling with current prices because i don't think wages have increased nope. um if, if they have probably very slightly definitely not in line with uh with cost of living so I don't know if, if people are really feeling this. I'm speaking of the U.S., of course, because I, that's where I really get to experience prices. But um, but it's hard for me to imagine that people don't experience, uh, that they, they don't feel the, uh, let's say, the tightening of the, the squeeze. Mm, the squeeze is coming, absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an issue. You stayed a few days in Spain. Um, you finished the chessboard course. You finished a big event. Did you have an existential crisis, not knowing what to do, or you have the Isle of Man, and that's what was occupying your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I I'm, I'm playing another tournament right after my last <laughs> one. I, I definitely don't feel. I left the day after. I, I don't feel like, uh, like I'm uh, starved for activities. Let's say actually the chessboard course. I'm just happy that uh, because it was weighing on, weighing on me quite a lot. You know, it was always in the back of my mind that I have to get this done and. It, it was always a long process um, to actually get the filming done. So once the filming was done, it really, that was before the US Championship, it really felt like a weight off. It 
Uh, so we did the little promo, right? Our our viewers, uh, at least some of them, saw that it was released, and um, yeah, it's you know, I don't know what I expected in terms of um, sales, but the the feedback has been very positive. That's I've, good. Um, you have I've five stars, only, yeah. Yeah, I've I've gotten twelve five star reviews, uh, ratings. I saw that three, three reviews. And they're actually quite um, substantial. Like they, they, they actually spent a lot of time writing those reviews, very comprehensive. Um, but yes, I mean, the, the, the course is great, I have to say. I'm actually waiting for, I'm, I'm interested to see the criticism because of course, not many people have, have purchased the course yet. It's still early days. So uh, it's, it's still a small sample and maybe the early people, they're, they're very excited, but there's definitely going to be some critical reviews at some point. So I'm, also interested in what those people will have to say, uh, because of course nothing is perfect, and and also I, I've seen the reviews on some other courses, and some of them are quite funny. Like uh, like Chessville has this lifetime repertoire thing, right? Which is basically uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna present the Dragon Sicilian to you, lifetime repertoire. That means that I cover everything after e4 c5. Yeah, that you'll need to know with black. You're not going to know. You're not going to cover all of, all of black's options, but you'll cover at least all of white's options and give a repertoire for black. And so, let's say like one of Anish's courses was lifetime repertoires one e four part one. And it's very clear, like very very obvious, that part one covers uh, certain openings, and part two will cover other openings, and part three will complete the opening trilogy. You can call it trilogy or whatever. But part one only covers like French, Caracom, whatever. And one of the reviews was that this op this lifetime repertoire only covers French and Caracan, and it doesn't cover the Sicilian. <laughs> and it's a it's a they lied to us like, and uh, and so definitely some critical reviews are going to be based purely on like either unreasonable stuff or um, or just like not understanding, uh, like what they're purchasing. Like people I guess don't read all the time and right. they, they don't know what they're buying. So, um, but anyway, it's it's so far it's been good. I wouldn't even call those critical reviews. Yeah, just people don't pay attention very often, and they jump the gun on 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 some comments, and that's basically it. We receive a lot of those on YouTube. It's part of social media, I guess. It's part of uh, this type of economy that we're in nowadays. Um, what did you do in those few days between the U.S. champs in Spain and and Isle of Man? Did you do any prep? Did you just try to relax a little bit? What was the priority? Yeah, I saw my, my folks, uh, saw their cat. So my parents are living there, visited them for two days, um, was pretty jet lagged. So a lot of not doing much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I did get some work done. So I I, try, I was actually not entirely unproductive. These That's days, good. it's so easy to do chess work. That's the thing. Like if you want to prepare something, it's just so easy. Uh, then the analysis, um, like the the work is almost effortless. It used to be that you had to really, really um, pay very close attention or you could do some sloppy work that would end up, you know, uh, maybe costing you Cost some games or something. <laughs> yeah. These days, like, you just turn the engine on. It tells you the truth. Um, more, I mean, pretty much entirely the truth. Uh, it's So even half asleep, I feel like I can do analysis. Now, if I remember what I analyzed, I don't know, but uh, at least the, I know that like I'm not going to, to be doing stuff where I'm preparing bad lines or, or something, you know, it's just uh, engines are too strong. Um, 
which is it's going i'm going to go on a, a bit of a tangent can you guess the topic <laughs> well speaking of engines and and guesswork i don't know uh i know there's a new hot block on the market yeah no no it's uh, it's cheating it's, it's cheating. cheating okay so not the kramnik's block Oh, you meant the the Kramnik block. Oh, sorry, I misunderstood. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, the the, <laughs> the hot block the, on so, the market. Yes. Yeah. So so Vladimir, um, he posted again, and yes. people reacted. He has a chess.com vlog. Blog, excuse me, yes. not vlog. He has he has he has a blog now. So he's um, he's communicating his findings. Or I mean, as he says, he's just sharing statistics. He's just posting. <laughs> he's just giving the numbers. Okay, but to be honest, first of all, my question for him is: Why isn't he doing this on a platform that has more reach? Why isn't he doing it on Twitter? I know at some point he quit. There were some um, conflicts, I guess, that he didn't really like dealing with, and then he started, you know, posting on Chess.com, and then he quit playing on Chess.com. But now the blog is back, so. I don't know. His social media strategy seems iffy at times, I guess. Okay, well, I mean, Vladimir, great. One of the greatest players ever, chess world champion. He's also a bit of a boomer. Uh, he's <laughs> he's not, he's not going to be using technology as efficiently as as he could. Let's um like this 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 much is pretty clear. We need to get at some point Vladi a social media manager. Yes, definitely. That would But okay, I mean I read what he posted, or I saw the numbers, whatever he posted. Of course, it's a bit arbitrary stuff, uh, last four rounds of Title Tuesday and so on. Um, definitely, we're not going to be drawing massive conclusions from this. But I, I did also see that people commented on, on Reddit, and these Reddit people are so irritating um, with what they say. It's like... Okay, I understand. It's also anonymous people, so of course they're they're gonna say they're gonna say stuff without much thought behind it for the most part. Yes. Uh, it, it's not like it's not a platform where people actually have to put their name and think seriously about what they're saying. But uh, but a lot of it was like uh, like one person said, "Well, of of course, okay, because I I understand the numbers. Small sample size, very valid argument. You can say this." that we shouldn't like draw conclusions from this data definitely i agree but some of the arguments were like because basically it was showing the difference between top players who were performing in one very specific metric underperforming compared to uh grandmasters who were let's say between the range of 2600 to to 2700 mm -hmm. uh, all those arguments that it's small sample size uh definitely def definitely very valid but some people were just arguing like well, you know, uh, Magnus plays shitty openings. Hikaru is streaming. Who cares? They're, they're not taking seriously. Okay, this is a bullshit argument. Obviously, top players like Magnus and Hikaru, they still take it seriously. Yeah. Not always, but uh, for the most part. And and then another argument was even worse. It was like, well, you know, these are Blitz internet specialists. Uh, so, of course, they're going to do better than over the board. Uh, specialists and i don't know maybe it's trolling or maybe people just don't understand that chess is chess and uh <laughs> if you are suddenly a blitz internet specialist but not an over-the-board specialist this is in itself a cause for concern 
because this is not really a thing. Like if you're good at blitz chess, you're good at blitz chess. If you're good at chess, you're good at chess. Uh, there might be slight variations. Like like what, 50, yes. 50 rating points? What would you say the, the, Much less the than that. biggest rating difference would, no, no. would be? I mean, I think like a good example is Hikaru. He, he's, uh, his, his vision for the board online is uh, clearly very excellent. But still, his over-the-board chess, he's like, let's say, number two in the world. Um, by, I don't know, maybe he's number three by rating. Maybe Alirez is number one. Yeah, it's always um, rating. Or whatever, it's like more or less the same. Like number two, three in the world. Uh, let's put him there, and then Magnus probably number one, right? By results. Mm -hmm. uh, and online, he's like number one, two, maybe tied, or maybe we can argue who's, who's playing better online, Magnus or him, right? So not, not a big difference. And this is like the only case, I think, where you, besides people who mm, uh, I, I would maybe question a little bit, uh, this is like the, the only case where, and it's not even really a case, it's like he's, okay, he's uh, top three in the world mm -hmm. by results in over the board, and it's, there's almost no difference. Just, right. okay, he suddenly is close, and I would say probably because of board vision, because he really has excellent board vision online like uh, i think that he sees if you see how he does tactics i mean he basically sees things instantly yes well over the board still i mean i've seen him play bullet chess over the board like he's uh, he's amazing um as as even even like bullet chess over the board is of course a weird thing like one one minute zero seconds is of course like mostly pieces start to fly but still he's uh his his uh tactical vision very quickly is quite remarkable mm -hmm. so the idea that there are like blitz online and over the board specialists is either a fantasy or people are just talking out their ass for the most part mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. like if there's one player who's about 200 points lower rated than me who consistently destroys me in title tuesday uh so our blitz ratings are about are separated by about 200 points mm -hmm. uh, over the board of course are you talking um, blitz ratings or uh, uh, uh blitz blitz uh, blitz rating blitz rating okay our classical rating is also separated but not of course separated by a huge amount but not um 200. but but yeah over 100 but not 200 got it uh, but i just want i want to use blitz ratings because of course people will say oh well uh, caruana he sucks at blitz right mm -hmm. um <laughs> not that, that's, so that's I, not I'm, saying that i believe <laughs> i mean uh, I always no, no, find I this uh, as a very funny argument because you're among like what you're number three right now or like okay number four in blitz. It, it's very funny because they still have this distilled version of, you know, maybe uh, pre-COVID Fabi, which sure I think it was a much worse version in terms of uh, rapid and blitz than than what we see right now. Would you agree with that? Okay, look, I, I'm not arguing. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not as good as Magnus Hikaru Alireza by results. Okay, they're they're obviously doing better than me. But you're still like I, number I three, number four, and, and, and yeah, I, I'm number four. I, I I've I've been I've been a few points away from number one. Yeah. Uh, so okay, but I'm not saying that. Of course, blitz ratings they are volatile. They do go up and down a bit. Now they're less volatile because we have a K factor of ten. We used to have a K factor of twenty. That was a very volatile period. People would lose or gain hundred points in a single event, and that's when, for example, Magnus Maxime. Hikaru, they almost reached 3,000 rating. They were like 29, 90, 80. Mm -hmm. um, so that was very volatile. Those ratings, you could say, maybe not so um, it's not so accurate just because the K factor was a little bit too uh, too too high. So 
anyway, I, I know that, um, I mean, you could also use another, you can, you can use, uh, other players for this example, but I know that I shouldn't be getting destroyed by this particular player mm -hmm. over the course of quite a few games in the manner in which it happens, which is that I never get an equal position. Like I never equalize the game. I just like from move one to the end of the game every single time. <laughs> destroyed. I mean, it's ridiculous. I can't, I can't equalize. And also when I get worse, it just, it's, that's it. I just get like clobbered. The, the conversion is absolutely like no mistakes, no chances. Um, so I, I, I can't, I understand what's going on. Uh, of course, now there was some guy who was like, I'm a lawyer <laughs> on Reddit. I don't know if he's actually a lawyer. He's like, I'm a lawyer and I'd love to cross-examine these guys. Um, I'm like, what do you mean cross-examine this? <laughs> We're not in a court of law. I mean, I'm not accusing anyone, but uh, but I, I am a chess player. I do kind of understand how chess works a little bit. I mean, I know that games don't, like players don't magically become stronger online. Yeah, It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. They're, yeah. So, okay. Of course, I understand. If you put me, um, if you decided to cross-examine me, and you demanded like hundreds of games of data, yeah, I wouldn't give that to you because I have maybe uh, eight games against a particular particular person, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't say this is definitive evidence, but I I still feel pretty confident. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway, that's my rant. No, absolutely. Uh, well. Check it out. It's it's a good blog. Actually, uh, he just posted an update a couple of days ago. I did not see this. Um, I only saw the initial post. I'm going to check the update as well and uh, maybe come back later, maybe next podcast or something like that. We'll discuss it at length. But oh, wait, it's actually, the Isle of Man. We, that's, we, the, that's the big one. We, yeah. Go ahead. Because I, I just want to, to mention that after I said the 50% number, mm -hmm. that 50% of titled players have at some point cheated in some manner or another, mm -hmm. uh, which is not to say that they're constantly cheating, but you, you know, something that they've done something, which cheating is cheating, right? Right, right, right. Of course, right. it's obviously worse to do it every single game, although it's probably better because you'll get caught, but, um, but still one game cheating, even if you never do it again, still you cheated, right? It's, it still uh, ruins either tournaments or results or whatever. Yeah. So uh, after I gave that number, Hikaru came out and gave his estimate to be 20 to 25%. I, I don't think I'm misquoting him. I think he said exactly 20, 25%. He was speaking to young Ludwig Kammer uh, and to Benjamin Bach. Yeah, in right? one so, of their uh, post-mortem from Qatar. Which is also, like, to me, it's doesn't. if I say 50%, if he says 25% and someone says 80%, it really doesn't matter. 25% is already... Uh, like it just tournaments are meaningless after 25%. If it's a hundred percent, it's actually more meaningful hmm. because then at least people are fighting on the same terms. 25% means that the tournament is completely illegitimate. Yes. Uh, so to me, it doesn't actually matter if it's 50 or 25, but, uh, I would still stand by, by my number. And I, I've spoken to someone else. He estimates it a, a top player. He estimated it as much higher than that. Really? Top player uh, right now, uh, Isle of Man, in the last few days? Uh, not at... I don't want to say where I spoke to him. Right, right, right. Uh, but one of the top 50 players in the world. Excellent. Yeah, no. What's... Uh, yeah, let's Much talk about Isle of Man. Because, you know, a lot of things... 
I'm I'm actually looking forward to watching this event uh, just for the, for the simple fact that we know everybody's going to be very much legit. Everybody's extremely extremely strong, and um, some people will definitely answer some questions. Uh, there's uh, there's a lot of intriguing players in the lineup, a lot of young up and coming guys, which we always love to watch, and um, just kind of gauge an understanding of their strength. Right, uh, that's quite important, especially with the new generation coming up. So, very excited about that. What's the atmosphere in Isle of Man? I haven't seen, I haven't spoken to too many people. I've seen, of course, most of the players already. Um, there was an opening ceremony. I, I spoke, probably the person I spoke to most was Maxime, because we also came on the same flight. So, and we both lost our bags. So there was some, <laughs> some connection. There. Some, we had, we had a few talks. Yeah. Uh, I saw Richie, but only said a few words to him. Uh, I mean, a lot of the best, probably most of the best players in the world are here. Uh, Hikaru is here. He's, uh, he's with his, um, second, his supportive, supportive group, his, mm -hmm. uh, is yeah his second his his wife um he's here uh for him it's a it's i actually thought about it for hikaru it's a very uh weighty event it's an important one yeah not just because because he, he can qualify directly from here by getting top two spots for the candidates but he can also ruin his chances here and by rating if he has a bad event because i'm not sure he's playing another classical event after this so for him and for Ali Reza, it's actually a very weighty event. But for Ali Reza, less so, because I think Ali Reza is playing the Sinkfield Cup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So so for Hikaru, let's say he loses 10 points here, or even 5 points. It's already like his rating spot is definitely um, in starts danger. to get undermined. Yeah, in danger. Well, right now, him and Ali Reza are the exact same rating. Okay, 0. 0.6 uh, points in favor of Hikaru. So this is a very contested um yeah lineup right actually here. even if he doesn't if he doesn't gain rating it's even if he has a normal event it's still uh not not good for him he actually has to have yeah like rating spot uh and by the way the rating spot has... if we look at it it's only hikaru and ali reza almost entirely at this point because nepo is already qualified you're already qualified ding is already qualified and the next one on the list, playing the candidates. exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. Qualified, and 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 the next one, Anish, is twenty six rating points behind. Yeah, the only way for Anish to get the rating spot is for both of them to qualify here, and then Anish is actually, I perhaps I don't know. Well, there's Wesley also, so it's like more or less they're the same rating. They're exactly so, again, the same rating. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically. Uh, Either Ali Reza or Ricard will get the rating spot unless, unless they, they both qualify through the, <laughs> through the, or unless one of them qualifies and one has an absolute disaster, which is possible but very unlikely, or like you could see for example someone lose fifteen points, and then Anish gains fifteen points, but if Anish gains fifteen points then he qualifies here because that that would be, that would be such a remarkable result, um, so yeah, I think we could say with ninety nine percent certainty. 99.9 .9, that either Ali Reza or Ikaru will qualify for the, for the candidates, but not necessarily both of them. Although I would say probably, what's the chance that what's the chance that they both qualify? Mm, I mean, somebody has to have a very good event in in this one. Isle of Man. Isle of Man is consequential. It's so consequential. 
Yeah, so we would say maybe 50-50 that they both qualify. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sure. I mean, that could Let's be. go with 50-50. I mean, I mean, it's close because like, what is the chance that one of them wins or gets second place in this event? I would say to, since they're both among the favorites and they're both very good at this type of format, that one in four chance that they get either top two places is not absurd. No, one in 25%? No way. I think that's too high. Top two places. Yes, I think that's too high. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it it's could such be, a it competitive could be event. Players. That's true, yeah. Um, I, um, I was going to go between 5 and 10%, actually. I feel like 5 is low for top two places. 5 is probably low. Like, the numbers they give me, like the bookmakers, is insane. They give me a 1 in 3 chance of winning the event. Like, completely nuts. That's pretty decent, yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, but that's luck. insane. Like, that's that's good. <laughs> no, I mean, if someone's betting on me at one and three to win the event, they're like they obviously don't enjoy their money too much. <laughs> yeah, twenty three percent for you to win such a such an event is 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 pretty high. I want to say. No, I think ten percent is the max. Yes, yes, yes. But they're giving Hikaru like ten percent. Mm. Okay. Basically, some players they give like zero. They they just don't. <laughs> like a lot of the field they're just like these people don't exist we're not going to give them any of the uh, any of the odds uh like some people probably have one in fifty thousand chance mm. which is i i saw the book uh what the bookmakers gave for the world cup and it was some crazy stuff too like some people who are very strong they give like one in a hundred thousand chance i mean it's uh anyway they, ha they have their own logic for, for it i'm not sure what it's based on yeah yeah no uh we definitely uh, and we discussed this world cup situation in uh in the world cup uh, podcast tomorrow you're playing sarich uh round one is already known uh, with the black pieces i think you're starting with black how do you uh, feel about the pairing how do you feel about getting black do you care at all uh well it's not the best but i i don't care too much i the thing is i i see it as like these days white and black they have their own peculiarities and people with the black pieces are, are so uh, well prepared that you don't really expect to get an opening advantage and depending on who you're playing very often people are ambitious with white so you might expect to get a fight so it might not make a huge difference in terms of getting a fight of course i would prefer to play with the white pieces if i um yeah i prefer to play with the white pieces mm -hmm. that's that's definitely some tiny advantage, but I think these days it's really quite tiny compared to if we're going back 10 years, uh, when it was more significant. And I did use to have these games where very often I would get a huge advantage through white or sometimes even against top players, get a winning position out of the opening. It has, it rarely happened, but it happened these days. It never happens. I can't remember the last time. Um, yeah, ne never. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember some games, like, especially against Hikaru, because his preparation was, now it's fine, but historically was not very good, if we're going back um, five years or more. So he was definitely struggling against me with black. But, but now it's these good. days, yeah. Now, now it's, it's, well, everybody has a very, very good preparation. I think it's a requirement. Yeah. At, at the top, you cannot get away with it anymore. Like, you used to be able to get away with it. Nowadays, you cannot. It's just uh but it's also just the amount of effort you have to put in is so much less 
You think it's less, and even to... though the material is oh, yeah. probably more material, like in terms of sheer numbers. Oh yeah, the, the, the amount that let's say of information that's out there, like to get a step ahead, you have to work like a, a dog. I mean, but that's because getting a step ahead is so difficult because everyone has such powerful resources. Mm. Uh, and that's the, the reason why most people have very similar preparation. Like Hikaru, Wesley, um, Anish. Okay, Hikaru and Wesley only play the Berlin. Well, not only, but they, mm -hmm. they kind of almost exclusively play the Berlin. Hikaru, Wesley, Levon, Lenier, Anish um, can all play the Berlin. So what do you do against that? For example, this, I'm just giving you like one example of an opening that that you can probably prepare within five days to a very, very professional extent. And then you're ready to play it. Mm -hmm. So everyone has their opening, this opening in their back pocket. Yeah. Uh, and then there's some players who have different repertoires, but that's just because they don't want, they like, they have their own uh, particular preferences, like Magnus, he plays the Marshal. But again, good luck getting an advantage against Magnus and the Marshal. Um, the slightest advantage you would get yeah, you if you work super super hard, you might get a, a tiny step ahead of him, and maybe get the tiniest advantage in a position which he's anyway pretty comfortable in. Like mm -hmm. that's that's about as good as it gets. Um, you're you're not going to get a winning position. Yeah, you saw the world championship match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. Ding was playing the London. He was playing D four C three. He was playing some English, which is completely harmless. Um, yeah, this is the. This is the state of modern theory. You, you just try to get made, a game. You made a couple of very interesting points. You mentioned at the beginning uh, that it's so easy nowadays, uh, almost uh, mindless, to uh, get preparation uh, going to actually train. And now you're also saying that everybody kind of has similar preparation and similar level uh, preparation. Is it that players nowadays work more because they can work more with less effort? No, it's just easier. Um, like, let's say, okay, if I think about, let's say my preparation for the 2020 candidates, I'm just going back a few years, not very much. And I actually had pretty good engines and pretty good hardware too. Like Intel was giving me, um, uh, was giving me a server. So pretty strong hardware. It was not commercially available. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, obviously the engines were much weaker, but still at the time they were the best engines. So I prepared the Slav and the Archangel. Those are my openings for the candidates. It took me basically a month to prepare those openings. And now it would probably take me three days. Uh, it that's, depends that's how, like, how, how, how much I want to prepare them. Like maybe maybe two days. I don't know. For example, uh, one of the big issues I had was D4, D5. I'll just give some first few moves. C4, C6, the Slav. White plays knight to C3. And I didn't uh, want to prepare the Moran. So, okay, won't get into too many move orders, but I wanted to take on C4. So what did I prepare? Knight C3, D C4. This was a huge amount of work that I had to go through to prepare this line. Um, now, basically, when white plays knight c3 and black plays knight f6 instead of dc4, which I prepare, then the problem is that white can play e3 and try to get into a Moran, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a classical Slav player, you don't want to play the Moran. But this move order is very irritating for that reason. But now, they found out that after you e3, you play bishop to f5, 
And what computers absolutely did not understand back then was that white at some point plays queen b3 and just attacks a b7 pawn. And now you just sacrifice it. And you can prepare this in five minutes. Like, I swear, it's literally five minutes of preparation and you can play this line. And that completely cuts out knight c3. Hmm. Uh, and it's based on, for example, there's a game of Geary recently, Dude against Geary. Um, there's some other games, like the games with players who are, let's say, 2600, 2550. They've analyzed this shit until the very, like, everywhere. Everything's worked out. And this is a line which just popped up, like, I don't know, a year ago, maybe a year and a half. Uh, just kills knight c3. So one small example of like how much my work would have been cut if I didn't have to worry about that third move. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. exchange slav, like uh, exchange slav, I don't know what, how how long would it take him to prepare this at? Three, two, three hours to play it at a confident level. Like it's, it's really fast now. It's just the theory is so developed. Um, most of the information is out there, and then the rest you fill in with very powerful engines that immediately tell you the truth within a second. And you just like quickly run through the lines. You just have to remember them. So it, yeah. it's a it's dependent on your memory, but the actual workload is so diminished. I would say, yeah, 10 times less at the very least, maybe more. I'm actually curious if in the last few years, in the last, let's say, five years, we've uh, done like a 10x uh, leap forward and now we're just hitting a plateau or if this is actually going to continue it's very interesting we're going to have to wait and see um Fabi, i'll let you hmm? yeah yeah no um, that, that will be an interesting thing to, to follow yeah for sure yeah 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 uh okay i'll let you go get some rest get some preparation going it's already late in isle of man tomorrow day one first round against ivan saric all the best and um we'll keep in touch okay all right sounds good talk right. to you later see you guys